0: I'd say one of the two major heartbeats of Manchester is music. The other being football. It's such a pleasure to be a part of this, and to be a part of such um, a, you know, such a great community. I guess it's um, like a family base now, isn't it? It's just having that, I think, support, and you can just see
1: other people around you that need you as much as you need them.
0: You know, the fitness side's a massive bonus. But yeah, I just, I just wanted to go and just make some new mates, and I have. They're all part of it because they've all from what we're about and that whole ethos, which is which is amazing. In this episode, we're chatting to a former professional footballer with over 400 appearances within the Football League for clubs such as Stockport County, Scunthorpe United, Oxford United and Crewe Alexandra. It's a pleasure to welcome to the Happy Sundays podcast, Michael Raines. In a wide-ranging chat, Michael talks to us about the people who helped guide his career from grassroots all the way through to playing pro and he also chats to us about the highs and the lows of his career such as keeping Stockport in the Football League on the final day and also to missing out on a one and only Wembley appearance due to injury. We get inside the mind of a professional and find out a little bit about the approaches that he took for each one. Michael also talks us through a player's perspective of a transfer on deadline day and how it felt to leave a club he'd been at since 12 years of age and was also made captain of. We also discussed retirement and how it feels to be back at Stockport County as their current head of football education within the academy. I may or may not have tied him down to coming along to a future Happy Sunday session too. If you're listening to this thinking I will not mind taking part in a Happy Sunday session, then make sure you check out all of our social media to find out when and how to book on. The links to all of these will be in the episode description. So here is the chat that I had with Michael Raines. Michael Reyes, welcome to the Happy Sundays Podcast. Thank you very much for coming along. How are you?
1: I'm very good, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, cheers for coming on. I really do, you know, as I said to you before we start recording, I, I do appreciate your time. <laughs> so for the benefit of people listening, in, I can see that you your debt's out in your... Stockport County colours if you like.
1: Yeah it's been straight from work straight to to daddy duties and we've been swimming this evening so I've just put them to bed and sat down with my laptop on talking to (laughs) to you my mate.
0: As I said then you know you're you're in your county colours. What I like about this is everything in terms of like your career which we'll go into everything's come a little bit full circle in terms of that really hasn't it?
1: Yeah yeah it's yeah really weirdly that it's gone like that um, I think I joined Stockport at, at 12. That was when I first joined the club in their junior academy. I'm now 35, sat here in Stockport Gate and still. There's been a bit of a journey in between, but it's nice to be to be somewhere where it where it all kicked off. And this
0: is so just again for a little bit of background for people that, that will be listening in. So this is the first time that we've ever had uh like a professional are an ex-professional athlete of any sort on the, on the podcast. Now, you've, you've retired from professional football, I believe. Yep, yeah. Um, but you're still, you you know, still, as you just said there, you are still very much involved in the game. When did you retire? Was it this year, was it?
1: It's been a bit of a transition out. Um, so, professionally, I retired four years ago, um, but I still carried on playing part-time, which is sort of two evenings a week and a Saturday. So, I'm still doing that now um, at Stockport Town, which is is sort of obviously a lot of our young lads go to. So, um, player assistant manager there. So there's not been too much playing, but it's just there to sort of help our younger boys going into men's football. It's sort of a, to help bridge the gap with that for them because it is a big ask for yeah. them.
0: And have you had any like? Have you had a chance really to like sit down like this in a situation a little bit like this to to look back on your professional career, or is this the first time that you've that you've done so?
1: if I'm honest I've not had time <laughs> I just come out and you you straight into work and you have, I always say a proper job and it's you you don't really have time you have little moments where you, you think about stuff and stuff mm. comes up um, or someone will ring you out the blue that you've forgotten about from football or you see him and I tell him little things always <laughs> come and go but like I said life's too fast two children job and then playing part time football you don't get a minute to actually just sort of Sit and sit and think about it. Mm.
0: So, are you? Are you? Have you always been one who's been like focused on what's coming next? Then,
1: yeah, I try, yeah, tried to, I to. try not to worry too much and sort of enjoy the ride. Um, when I was playing, I was. I went through a stage of always worrying about next contract. What's mm. next? What's next? And it's. you, you I think you, you sort of learn the older you get. You're not, especially in the football world. You're not really in control. You think you are, but you're not. You think you can do this and that, but an injury or a loss of form or a manager that doesn't like you—that takes it all away. Mm. So, I, the older I got, I sort of I learned to to just sort of what will be will be. I've got enough in my armor to be able to cope with whatever's coming, and I've been through enough to sort of get to that point where whatever comes my way, I'll be able to cope with.
0: It's Quite noble of you that I think, um, to have that sort of mindset, and again, we'll talk a little bit about like mindset as we sort of go through this because obviously, mindset is a big part of what we do with our yeah. little sort of yeah. incentive that we've got, and it'll be quite interesting to get the, the sort of point of view of a mindset of someone who's involved in or who has been involved in the professional game, yeah. So, as I said a moment ago, you know, now that you have retired, I suppose it is. Nice sort of in a way to look back at what you've achieved, and the journey that you, you know you said to yourself that you've been on. So that's what we're aiming to do, like across the sort of remainder of, of this uh, of this podcast. Now, as I said, then in terms of like the so-called football like pyramid, if you like, yeah. you've got like the pro level where you were lucky enough to play for for so yeah. long. Uh, Then you have like the like semi-pro, then amateur, yeah. and then you've got like grassroots level, if you like. Yeah. So. And I've done this, you know, I mentioned it with Andy Ellis. I've done this with pretty much every guest that we've had so far in terms of taking them back like all the way back. At what age were you when, when you sort of joined your first grassroots club and started to really enjoy football?
1: It was it was your cousin, it was your Ben that took me. Ben and Suzanne.
0: I knew he'd come up for some reason. <laughs> yeah,
1: Ben and Suzanne took me. Um, I remember it clear as day, my first day, Suzanne come and picked me up. And it was Lisbeth St. Anthony's, um, run by Mary and Brian, who a lot of people in Wimishaw will know. Yeah, and I was there till till I was under 12. Amazing club, amazing people. I'm still best mates with a load of lads that we all played with through the years there. Um, It was a real good community, spirited place. Very good players come out of that programme as well, so I think I left there at under 12 I think it was so my dad was the manager at the time and it got to a point halfway through the season I got scouted to, to go to county and he had to sort of make a choice of, of being able to play with my mates anymore and going into to that sort of environment but uh, looking back now it was probably the, the, the right time I'd still had that base of the enjoyment the fun like mm-hmm. I said before the, the grounding of it all to then Go into that point, at, into the, the serious side of it at 12, 13 was probably right for me.
0: And was it clear from an early age when you were playing for Lisbon, St. Angeles, that you were like an after player? Or did someone have to like coach that out of you, if that makes sense?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's difficult to say, if I'm honest. It's difficult to say. Uh, like I said, you've got lads there that played in that team that I'd say were better hmm. than me, probably even to this day are better than me, but they might have not have got the look or different position or a load of different factors um, in terms of that. And Sometimes it is a little bit of luck, right place, right hmm. time. You have a good game at the right place, right time. And I was lucky enough to, to sort of do that.
0: And when you were playing at the under-12s there, or going up to under-12s, I should say, were you always a defender? Or did you get put into No, different... I
1: was I started I started up front and then slowly got moved back. So yeah, I was a striker, right winger. I had a funny feeling then... you say you'd
0: be a striker because you're I mean, both of us were quite tall. I think you're like six four, I think are around yeah. the same. So yeah. it's one of them you're either going to be a target man or a defender when you're that high. That's so it, yeah. I thought you might say that to yeah, be fair. I think
1: when everyone when everyone grew up and everyone started being a bit quicker than me that's how we got moved back down.
0: When did you sort of, like, realise, you so know what, I'm, I'm half decent at defending here. I, this is probably going to be the de- position that I'd like to nail down now. I,
1: I, I, I'll be honest, I never had that, like, moment. So you went into Stockport and then you went into Defender and then it was like, you got a year contract. And it was like, OK, I'll stay here for a year, then another year and then <laughs> 15. And then you get into the point where you're 16 and it's like, you're going into that meeting, I remember just being like, oh, I've had a good couple of years, here. it's been all right. And then it was like, yeah, you've, you've got it. And it was like, okay, so you're leaving school now, you're going into full-time football. And it was, like I said, it never really, I don't know if it was just me and my nature, you just sort of hoped for it, but didn't expect anything. And then when it did come, it was like, wow, amazing. You mentioned
0: like school then, like very, very quickly. And you said even like at at, at Lisbon St. Anthony's, you were amongst a group of, of lads who were pretty decent players. You you mentioned, you mentioned Ben, who's my cousin, who who had a pretty decent career, sort of in the, in the lower leagues and in non-league. Obviously at school, I mean, we when when you were in, when yourself and Ben were in year 11, I think I was in year seven. So I passed cross like very, very briefly. But one thing that I remember yeah. quite clearly, quite vividly, was there was a load of really good football players in, in the year that you were in. Mm. Obviously, I think a, a big one is Shalem is Shalem Logan, um, who's obviously yeah. now playing up in Aberdeen in the SPL. When you were at school, obviously you got the support you mentioned. Was it Brian and Maria? Uh, uh, yeah. The yeah the was there someone yeah. in, in, in like the school days who, who again sort of nurtured that talent a little bit with you? Yeah,
1: Mr. Braithwaite was just brilliant. I don't know if you you come in and he was our uh, Year Seven all the way through to Year Eleven football teacher, um, and he he was just great. We was all we were all just. <laughs> I was going to say lovable rogues, <laughs> but like we said, we, ended, we had the football side that sort of kept us all in mm. check, really. Um, and it, it, it worked to use that as advantage, I yeah. think, in school in terms of it did keep us all on track. It did keep us all... We just played football yeah. every Andy day. Ellis, and uh, our lessons so we could play Andy Ellis... Andy Ellis
0: mentioned in, in, in the previous podcast that we did, he, he, he mentioned, obviously, with him going into like the, the arts and acting and whatnot, New York Green, the school that, that, that we all went to, it, it, I should yeah. I should get a commission off them, really, I'm not mentioning for them, really, yeah. on this podcast. But they they had a chance, I believe, to become like a specialist sports school, and they turned it down yeah. to go for science and the arts instead. But, but yeah, the sports, yeah. for, for, for me looking on the outside in, I wasn't never really sporty growing up, so I wasn't really involved in it as much as maybe you were and somebody else would be but it seemed like the sport's never suffered.
1: No, I think I agree. I think, like I said, I think all, all the years were quite strong. I remember even a couple below us, they were really, really good, really strong teams. And it was, it, I think it was at the the time, I remember when I speak, I remember leaving school and I spoke to Mr Braithwaite and I was just general question, how's the school team? And he said, oh, it's all changed now. He said, I remember when you come, I said I had a hundred wow. lads trialling for the school team where he said, I've literally got to drag them out of lessons to do it now. And it's like that—that's sort of the what it was back then. That's all you really had. You didn't have your computers. You didn't have your. I don't know, I sound well old here, but <laughs> it, it was a priority—the the football side for everybody. Really, it mm. was—it was just non-stop. That's all everybody did.
0: Did you win some, some trophies with the school team? I can't remember whether we you won
1: could... a couple. Yeah, yeah, we won a couple. We did okay. We did all right. We got to the—I think it was the quarter of the English schools. I think it was it used to be called the Ketchup Cup. And um, we got stuff in the quarters of that and then got beat on penalties, I think it was um but yeah it was it, it was really really good, and it, we had Mr Braithwaite, obviously all the way through, and then Mr Jones as well um you but you would have had Jones, wouldn't you yeah Jones is a little bit different because he'd had a little bit of taste of the professional side, and he had a little bit of an inkling into that. I remember it'd take me and Shalem when I was in year eleven. And we were coming to the end knowing that we were starting at Stockport in July. Okay. So from around March, April, he used to take me and Shalem on extra running days. So we'd finish school and he'd take us on the track and he'd right. just take us running. And he said, like, you need this for when you go into that professional environment. Like, You have to sort of get through right. this now. When you get into that environment, it'll be a, a little bit easier for you. So he was
0: preparing you for it a little bit then?
1: Yeah, 100%. He yeah. sort of knew that the the transition from... Playing with your mates to going into a full time pre-season program, what it entailed, right. and I remember he would take me and Shalem twice a week on the track and just run us. Uh, and he used to do it with us as well. To be fair to him, wow. but looking back now, you think, well, wow, it, it may have made a huge difference to me going into into that that environment yeah. where I'm I'm sort of a a little bit stronger to it
0: I think as well with that it doesn't just build you up physically to be a bit stronger with it I think it builds you up mentally as well would you say
1: yeah definitely yeah. definitely because like I said you, you you just you don't really do stuff like that when you were a kid it's just go and play football with your mates where this was running till you're sick when you go pre-season <laughs> and it's like it it's a it is a total a different test of not just your body but your your, your mindset to get through it
0: I say that you know you're playing with a school team you did quite well with them you've You've already sort of been signed at under twelve level for Stockport Counter. You left school, was it 2003 you left?
1: Yes, yes, yeah. I think it was,
0: yeah. And you signed as a trainee in 2004, I believe?
1: Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you leave school, we left school at what, July? No, I started in Stockport in the July for pre-season, yeah.
0: In terms of like, you said that a scout came and saw you at Lisbon St. Anthony's. Was there any other teams interested or was it just counter?
1: Just we at the time. Yeah, like I said, we had a good team and it was, it, it, I think we were all very, very similar um, And but they needed a centre-half at the time and um, I don't think I was head and shoulders above anybody else. I don't think it was, I think, again, it was just they needed a centre-half, <laughs> went in and did okay, did okay and then ended up staying there for, for, for 10 more years after that. So you were
0: 17 when you made your debut, I believe. Yeah. So what was that journey like going from playing with you know the the academy, getting your traineeship, and then going from that right into the first team like that. I think was it was a debut against Swansea, I believe.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it was. It was just crazy. I, it, when I first went in, the <laughs> the like the the being in that environment, I just loved everything. I loved everything about it. I love the. It, it's a tough environment to be in, and a lot of people sunk and didn't swim in terms of any vulnerability yeah. it gets highlighted Any, it, it, it's a tough tough environment to be in especially at that age a load of 17 or 18 year olds are all vying for the same thing at the end of it a pro contract and it's changed now it's a lot better now but back then it was, it was tough but I loved it absolutely mm. loved it and it was more I didn't even think about the first scene I didn't even bat an eyelid about that when I first went in it was just I am enjoying all this and then next minute, we were we were training and they were doing an FA Cup game and someone said, oh, go and join in with the first team. I was like, what's going on here? So I've got over um, and there's a lad called Stuart Barlow. He's won the FA Cup with Everton and he was the striker at the time. He was coming to the end and it was a 50-50 and I've lifted him, wow. like lifted him and all the lads like, oh, what have you done? And I thought, what oh, if i messed up here now? I shouldn't have done that. But then the manager pulled me to the side. He went, what have you just done there? I said, Oh, sorry. I, I just, I've seen the ball I went through it. No, I love stuff like that. Don't ever change. So I was just like straight away then buzzing. Yeah. And, and then I made my debut that week after that. So you think
0: that that challenge probably had a very effective time then? I think so.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, you don't know, do you? But he, he just said he liked it. He, he was just, um, he, he was one of them with the first team lads. They were brilliant with me. But I must have been a pain in the backside for him because it wasn't, I, I just treated him like a trope. Taught me mates, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and it was they shout at me, I shout back, and I think it's just like obviously where we're from and where we've grew up. It's sort of, <laughs> some shouts, that you shout back, don't you? And I just sort of carried that on. But looking back now, being an older pro, and if a young lad did that to me, it'd drive me insane.
0: He <laughs> said then about you know it is it is quite a big thing really being just seventeen and getting implemented with these you know older players as you were saying then and yeah. being, being in the training in the training sessions with them clattering into them as well if you like it, you know it, it must be it must have been quite quite a hard thing mentally to deal with they you know we talked before about like the this sort of mentality this pro mentality was that something that was yeah. on your mind at the time
1: yeah you want to prove yourself and it was uh, You you had the balance as well that obviously you've left a full squad of 20 mates behind to go and train with that first team mm. so then when you finish training you're going back in with them and it's the reaction you got for them was a little bit different so we had lads that were like two year or two years above me in my position and I've jumped above them to play with the first team so he's having to deal with that right. but then dealing with the the likes of first team and the football and then obviously the it soon doesn't become about just playing a game it's the pressure that comes with it. now we've got to win this week if we don't win we're not getting duh, 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 you know what I mean it's a totally different mindset that comes over it and that slowly starts to to creep into you.
0: You say that, but then, you know, you, you did, from that sort of young age, you became quite quite a, a regular, really, within the first team, you, you know, you established yourself yes. in terms of, like, a regular playing position. And this is in League Two as well, which, you know, is not, not to be sniffed at at all. This is a back way counter. I mean, they're back in League Two now, thankfully. You know, they're, they are back in. The football league yeah. where they belong, but you know they were flying pretty high in League Two at the time, and you're you're, you're nailing that down. You're also playing. You mentioned the, the gaffer then. You're playing under another sort of like county legend in, in Jim Gannon. Yeah. How big of an influence did Jim have? Has he had on your career?
1: He was unbelievable. So there was yeah, there was three of us. Um, there was myself, Adam Lafondre, Damien Allen, and Stockport were. I think it was League One. We all made our debut, and Jim come in when we got relegated. When we was mid-table, League 2. So we got relegated from League 1 to come down and it was a squad of players that were gone. It was mm-hmm. a load of oldies, plus us young lads. And Jim just come in and put an arm around us and just said, you are going to be fine. We're going to make sure. And he just, all he did was big us up. He put all the pressure on the older lads and just said to you, don't worry, you are fine. You'll be, you'll be do-do-do. And he just made you feel like, like I said, you was playing with your mates again. And it was quite just a more relaxed feel. Um, and that first year we went to... We were, we were bottom of the league and we had to beat, draw with Carlisle to stay up. So it was last day of the season. Carlisle had just been promoted. They were champions um, and we needed to better Boston score to wow. stay in the football league. Um, and we drew 0-0 and obviously they we, we stayed up. They went down. Year after, we, we just missed out on the playoffs. The year after that, we got in the playoffs and went up. So it was sort of the, the turning mm. point with it all. But, getting to that point and the pressure in that game and how you felt before that game was never have a feeling like it.
0: Really? Even even before the playoff final?
1: Even before the playoff, because that's it's a totally different thing. You you go out the football league, the club might go, go and the, the whole thing might fall apart. Yeah, where true. you miss out on the playoffs, wow. you're still in league two. It's it's still the same where this was there was talk of the club folding, there was the talk of if we go down that it, you know your jobs are gone. It's wow. Uh, that was the, the the big one. That was the big one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I suppose, like you said there, I suppose it's like, I mean, it's pressure, but there's different kinds of pressure, and obviously that having that in the back of your mind is that hard to deal with. Just as a, like a football player, if you like, knowing that that's going on the back of yeah. the club might follow.
1: It's all part of it. Um, I think the, the older you get, you, you sort of realise that's part of it. Um, but at the time, as a youngster, you, you, you're feeling that you had because you had people that like the youth team manager, the kit man, mm. the, the chefs and everything that have been. Obviously, with you as a youngster, have yeah. been amazing with you making sure you're all right. People's livelihood
0: as well, is at the end of the day?
1: Response. Yeah, you're responsible for them. And we, we luckily we did. Luckily we did. And if you look at Boston now where they are, yeah. it, it, it's a scary thing.
0: Talking of like responsibility, I believe so. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you were made club captain as well.
1: Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was young. So we, we, we stayed up that year. Um, I was made club captain the year after that.
0: What year was that? Was that 2006? Was it?
1: Yes, uh, I think it was. Maybe a bit later than okay. that, actually. Yeah, a bit later. When we, when we got promoted, hmm. um, we went to League One. And Then I was made club captain there,
0: and I think, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, were you like one of the youngest club captains of Stockport County ever? Is that
1: I think so? Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, I think so. At the that's time, that's a it was big a burden
0: to have, club really, club. on your shoulders for a club yeah, of that it, size. It,
1: it was, but I think it was, would have been what, 21, 20, well, probably about 20, 21. It was, I didn't really know what I was doing, never mind. <laughs> didn't really know the intel. Now, looking back now. And captains I've had, I should have done a lot more, a lot better. But obviously, didn't have the experience yeah. at that point. I mean, so that was with next question, point. to be
0: fair. You know, did you feel ready? So, it's the kind of of... No, no, no. <laughs> yeah,
1: Look, at the time, I thought I did. I'd shout at the refs and I'd organise the night out and stuff like that yeah. for the lads. But obviously, looking back now, when I've had multiple captains since, that mm. put me to absolute shame what they did in terms of... When I was at Oxford, I had a lad that would just put lads up in his house with his family and his kids so they'd be by themselves and just lads that go above and beyond to make sure that the 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 unity of the squad worked and put themselves and the families out. And looking back now, there was no way I was ready for it.
0: (laughs) Because obviously, with you being so young at the time of being made club captain, did you have like a finance system in place for
1: Yeah, we did that that sort of statutory now I think it just goes from year to year that's what so it was all in place and it was all all part of it. Did you yeah. ever let
0: anybody off who was like same age or younger Did you sort of be like, do you know what?
1: It's same age as yeah, younger. younger ones all, yeah younger ones always got looked after <laughs> they always do always get looked after the younger boys.
0: Um so you mentioned before about in 2000, I? I think it was was it the oh eight oh nine season that's when you beat Rochdale in the playoffs to go up to, to league yeah. one. Obviously you said about the saving the club from relegation, that's like a yeah. you know, big pressure moment or whatnot. But in terms of celebrating the wins and a massive win in terms of getting, getting the club promoted and getting up into League One, whereabouts does that rank in terms of like career highlights?
1: If I'm honest, that's not it. it was a difficult one for me, that like, because I ripped my hamstring in the semis. Oh right. So I missed I actually missed the final. Wow. So um it was right towards the end of the second game. I ripped my hamstring. So I went after the game and I was broken, thinking this is, I'm missing Wembley, I was gone, and then sort of 24 hours later, you're buzzing for the lads to get there and the chance to potentially be a League One player, then mm. we went down to London the night before, and then I was fine, got up the next day, I just couldn't speak to anyone, I was gutted, just sort of sat out of the way and just didn't feel a part of it, and Jim asked me to put a kit on and just get involved in the wall, but I just didn't want to. I just sort of sat with a bear on the bus at the back and watched the lads um, as the game was going on, sort of got into it. And then obviously when we won, everyone's everyone's happy, everyone's forgotten about. And yeah. it's a tough one because it's might sound a bit selfish that, but it was it's it, it may, it would have been my only chance to get to Wembley. Yeah. Looking back now, I missed it. And at the time I was like, I was heartbroken, absolutely heartbroken.
0: I mean, you see it now, to be fair, because obviously, you know, we're recording this whilst the World Cup's on, the the, the famous Winter World Cup that's in Qatar, and you see players such as, like, Karim Benzema, Sadio Mane getting injured, even James Madison, to be fair, like, he was touching go whether he'd make it to to, to the England squad. You know, it it remains to be seen whether he'll actually get any time or not. Knowing that they've got these, like, these big game, big tournaments coming up, you, you, you can sort of see... During like, the Premier League, they were trying to do it. Some of them would, you know, you, you could tell they weren't going in for that tackle a little bit, I, I felt anyway, watching it because they knew that, you know, they had this this, this big tournament. So, some of them, it may only be their the only chance to do it. You, in, the, in the semi, when you ripped that and you said, you know, you knew that that might be the chance gone, did you, in the back of your mind, were you thinking, I better, like, you know, put the brakes a little bit in this game just in case? Or was it like, I'm doing everything?
1: No, because it was you were running. We, we were losing. Right. We were losing at the time when I did it. Yeah. We were getting beat one 0 and then ripped my hamstring, and we Dicker went and scored the winner down the other end. And it's it was yeah. You know, I think as a professional, you never ever think that in terms of trying to because you, you could fall down the stairs mm. on your way home. You could get and you could get injured at any time. But yeah, it was it it, it was a tough one, tough one, but lads did well, we had a great party mm-hmm. after, a nice trip abroad and stuff, so it, it, it did work out all right in the end, but like I said, it was probably mm-hmm. my one chance to get to, to Wembley, did think I'd get another one, yeah. at young age like that, you think, oh, I'll get another opportunity, it just never come, never come.
0: In terms of that, that final then, so you actually sold your medal, I believe, from that final, did that, the fact that you didn't play in it, did that have a decision then of selling it? Yeah, massively,
1: Massive, massive. Wow. So I gave my shirt away because I got a shirt, um, obviously. give that away after. Um, and then my medal was just sat in my loft. It didn't interest me at all. It was just sat up there. Wow. And it was when the um, they were doing the charity for the food. Do you know when everyone was struggling? Yeah, was it 2020, coffee? was
0: it? Yeah, when everyone was struck.
1: Yeah. And Marcus did the, Marcus Rashford did the big thing, didn't he, for the school for meals and Stockport did something. So I thought, I've got this here, if you want to flog it. um, I think we've got 900 quid for it as well. So it went a long way to to trying to reach the target that it was trying to make.
0: And you said that about like, about injuries. So was that, that that how should you shooter, was that the, the biggest injury you ever had, or did you have other ones
1: that no, I had a bat I had a worse one than that at Stockport. And so I started playing at 17, 18, it's about 19. I had a problem with my heart. Wow. Um where it was before obviously all the, the, the big name ones at the minute. And I had like palpitations and collapsed after a game. And um, I had to have an operation on my heart, and I had about, I think it was six to nine months out with that. Wow. Um, and what's yeah, that I mean, like
0: when, because obviously that, you, you did your hamstring, you yeah. missed that game, but then that's the end of yeah. the season then, you've got pre to recover from yeah. the hamstring, and hamstring injuries, as far as I'm aware, again, I'm not an expert, but as far as I'm aware, that's a few weeks out, so pre-season's done, you back for the next season, but six to nine months, that's a long time out, Yeah. Was, what's that like to long, deal but, with Like up here, with like yeah. mentally? Yeah.
1: It was yeah, it was lonely because obviously at that point as well, there's been like pretty much a new squad being brought in, so they're all gelling on the pitch, mm. and and you're just sat in the gym. Only thing I was allowed to do was wait, but like had to wow. do like one rate, wait five minutes before I could go away, do so. And it was it was very lonely. Um, so you sort of just sat around and did end up just sending you home. So while the lads were training, you'd been in, got your work done, gone home they've come back in and it's like passing ships in the night, really. Um, it was tough and it was got to a point sometimes where it was like, probably going to be it, this, looking at courses, getting other jobs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then it's it, it was probably the making of me, really, yeah. because I was really, really skinny, really skinny when I'd left school and obviously jumped into full-time football, not physically got where I wanted to um, because you were playing so much. But having that time out... I got in the gym every day and it it, it really aided my development physically yeah. in terms of got a lot broader shoulders, a lot bigger legs, and I got, I got to a point where I was probably more of a man after doing that than what I was before.
0: And do you think that helped in terms of you, like, getting your position back then once you come back yeah, in? I think
1: so, yeah. I think so, yeah, because you, you return and you're in great shape and it's straight away, it's like, oh, he, he might be okay here. Where have you come mm. back? And it was still that same skinny lad after all this time. It was... You, who would have know what happened? But yeah, it, it sort of kept me on the straight and narrow as well, mm. if I'm honest, doing that side of things. It sort of, I was with a lot going on, It going in that gym, it just sort of cleared my head a little bit for a couple of hours every day. Mm.
0: So you mentioned then a moment ago about, like, the highs of the 08 09 season, getting promoted. Well, a high for the club, but not necessarily yeah. for you personally. Um, yeah. And obviously promotion and playing in League One. And then in 2009-10... The club is in a little bit of crisis. I mean, you mentioned about the club potentially being in crisis and then saving themselves from relegation. But then the club does go into a little bit of crisis, really, within that season, because it plays the entire season in administration, I believe. Um, Jim Gannon Gannon leaves, uh, the training ground's put for sale. You know, you're losing some key players. We said before, you know, how hard is it, though, to focus solely on football as a player when you've got all that, like, circus and noise around you?
1: Yeah, it was it, it was one of the worst times because you, like I said before, the staff were the first to go, and people getting sacked here, there, and everywhere. And it was like you didn't know whether you were getting paid or not. So you're going in training, and you don't know whether you're going to cover your mortgage this month. Wow. And you didn't know whether. So you had that added pressure of all that, as well as the the pressure of football. The squad got ripped apart, and, and a load of young lads got sort of through into the the firing line because we had no other players, yeah. and it was. It, it just felt like a little bit of a beating all the time, uh, not just results, but then you'd get promised this, this and this and it'd, it'd get ripped away from underneath mm. you. It was just the lies, really. You had lie after lie after lie mm. from people and it just sort of, when you're not winning as well, it sort of amplifies everything tenfold.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've seen it quite recently with Derby Counter um, yeah. and I thought we really did a fantastic job to sort of drown out the noise around that with with what he was doing on the pitch. I thought he was very unlucky. But, you know, unfortunately, it didn't really go that way for for Stockport that season, did it?
1: No, it didn't. So I left in January. It got to a point where they said to a couple of us that were still worth a bit of money, we've got to sell you to get towards the end of the season. Um, Transfer deadline day, I think it was an hour to go, I got a phone call of Scunthorpe, went up to Scunthorpe and signed, signed literally with minutes to spare. Wow.
0: Because That I mean, that that's what I was going to say then. That you know, you did leave to, for Scunthorpe in 2010. Did you have chances to move from county before then, though? Bef-
1: before those, yeah, I had a couple of offers in the summer. Um, though West Brom were think... interested
0: at one point, were there?
1: Yeah, that was when I was younger when I first broke in. Um, I think it was Doncaster, I think it was that were championship at the time coming the summer, but Stockport said no. Um, we've got all these plans, and obviously the takeover talk and stuff, yeah. so. I didn't leave then, um, but then it got to, to January, um, and it was like no, it was the opposite. They, were sort of kicking us out the door to try and get the money in. So you mentioned
0: there about deadline day. Now deadline day always fascinates me because you know for 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 the football, the, stand, the average like football fan, deadline day is brilliant. You know we sit down, we put Sky Sports <laughs> yeah. News on, the yellow ticker comes up, ex-purse is moving to ex club, It's brilliant for us. But what yeah. that what's that like as a player to be on that set, especially with minutes to spare?
1: Yeah, so for for that it was. I think this is sort of different to what what most would be like, if I'm honest, because this was. I think most are sort of already teed up. Or so, say a club might have four or five targets. If you don't get that one, they might ring that one. If you don't get that, they might ring that yeah. one. So it's the, the the agents sort of have a feel for it. Where this was different. We sort of had three lads worth of money, stop, put, just put it out there. We need to sell these. We turned into training as normal and got told that you're not training today, lads. We've got to sell you. Wow. So he's like, right. So we were literally just sat, yeah, we were literally just sat in this room watching Sky Sports News <laughs> and then phones would go. One would get up and go, and one would get up and go. And then I was the last to leave. Um, and I think Scumforb had tried to sign somebody else that had fell through. Then they're coming
0: for me. What's that like in terms of impacting you personally? And obviously, like, you know, you you then, because when you're at County, you're still living like around here, you're still like Willis, you're still with your family, with your friends. Now you've got to go to like Lincolnshire and play for Scunthorpe. You're away, you know, you're like an hour and 45 minutes away from them. What's that like, especially being quite last minute as well?
1: I didn't have a clue where it was. Really? Didn't have a clue where it was. didn't have a I'll be honest. I had to, to Google go it. Before. I
0: was like where I was on Google. Didn't, where is Gunthor? Didn't,
1: <laughs> didn't have a clue. Got in my car, um, drove, put him sat in up, drove. Our forty-five minutes. That's quite far, isn't it? Got there and it went. Once we got, did my medical and you. At the time, scumfort were in the championship, so for me it was a dream move. I got to have a year in the championship, well, two years in the championship, yeah. and it was a it was a dream move. But I remember just getting up there, signing, and I was like, right, what do I do now? Then do I go home and get me stuff, or do I stay up here? I've not even got my boots with me, so I had to drive back and then wow. come back again. It was like then they put me in like a like a, a hotel for a few nights, and then I was renting a room uh, with, with a with a guy down there, and it was just a bit topsy turning, and then my wife did move down with me, um, which made life a little bit easier. Mm. And, and, but then again, we we wasn't down there for too long.
0: I was looking at like the clubs that you play for. And you've been like in the northeast with Hartlepool. You've been right at the top of, of the country with England, so in terms of Carlisle, and then right down the other end with Oxford. So yeah. moving like from Carlisle right down to Oxford, when you've got this like central base in Manchester and Wetherby, really, yeah. How often would you be able to get back up here to be able to see like friends and family? Was it just like pre season only? Was it
1: no? So, we when I moved to Scunfort, the second year and Rotherham, me wife moved up with me and we bought a place up there. And then I had a two year deal at Scumfort at Rotherham when a new manager come in and didn't want me there and got rid of me. And then I moved to Oxford and we said at that point, wherever I'm going to go with football now, you can't keep moving. She needs to get a career. And we were thinking about a family and stuff at the time. So we just said, you stay in Wimshaw, I'm just going to drive it. So typical week, say for Oxford, for example, I'd leave Sunday night, stay over Monday, Tuesday, come back Tuesday night, have Wednesday at home, travel back Thursday morning, stay Friday, play Saturday, come home Sunday. Wow. That's and that was the same that's full on it really yeah so that's the same at sort of Oxford Carlyle Hartlepool um, even Mansfield for example most times I, I would end up staying over
0: I just I just found that a little bit a little bit crazy because people you know again we mentioned before about the average fan who would sit down and watch Sky Sports News to the average fan playing football for a living getting paid to play football it's like the dream they don't really realise what goes on behind the scenes. And hearing you say that. Yeah, that it's quite I, I, no, I, get, I get what you
1: mean. I think the big thing for me though, I, I use my brother as an example, he was an electrician and he'd have to travel every London every week. It right. yeah, was yeah. exactly the same and that was my mentality with it. I've got to go where my work mm. is and your family's here. And I, I sort of use that as a, an example that he was traveling to London every week and doing the same thing I mm. was doing for his trade, this was my trade, and I had to sort of do the same thing to to make sure I had the money coming I think in.
0: that's quite, I guess, that's quite like a humble and noble like mentality with you there. The fact that you're able to use your brother as an example to stay grounded and to stay humble in, in that respect. So, I, I, you know, I, I take my heart to you in terms of, of that regard. So, as you mentioned, you know, after Scornthorpe, you went on to play for, for Rotherham, for Oxford, Mansfield, Carlisle, Crew, and then Hartlepool. Before you like retired from the professional game. And as we said at the start, you do now find yourself back at counter working within the academy. And you said at the start, you know, it's crazy that everything has come a little bit like full circle with that. And as again, you said before about like looking ahead about wanting to know what's coming next. In 2016, you went and got a degree in sports science. And I believe, did you get that with the help of the PFA?
1: Yeah, the PFA, they they were amazing at the time. It was was a real weird one. So I was. Traveling in with a lad from Rotherham, um, and the PFA were doing a trial run of it. So you didn't have to pay the full whack for the PFA, for the, the degree. I think you paid half for it, and the PFA funded the rest. And this lad, I was used to car school when me, said, Chance of doing it? I was like, Not a chance. It's like four and a half years. No way do I want to do it. He said, No, we've got two years together, potentially three or four more after that. He said, We'll just finish training and do it. So he taught me into doing it, really, this lad. Six, Six weeks later, he was sold. <laughs> so I've signed up for this degree. He got sold on. But I just stuck with it, got it done. It took me four and a half years to do. But it was, um, yeah, it, it was one of things, I'll be honest, I didn't enjoy a second of it, but it was more that I've got it done and it, it sort of got the, the burden away from playing of what I'm going to do next. It gave me a few options that sort of lifted yeah. that little bit of pressure with it. I was going to say,
0: because did you, when you sort of come in towards like, I mean, again, it sounds young, but in in terms, I know it's quite old. But when you get into like your 30s, I know a lot of footballers, professional footballers, have to start thinking about what's next. So, doing that degree, yeah. did that help you? It
1: did. I always wanted to do something. Uh, I always tread footballers. And, well, I've got a year contract, two year contract. What's going to be after yeah. that if I don't get another one? I was always, so, I always wanted to do something. And then this come up and it just sort of, I didn't have an interest in sports science really. <laughs> I didn't have a, a plan with it it was just the option come and I just thought hey, it's summer and I did it. Um, if I'm honest I've never really done anything with that degree <laughs> than what I've it's just been there but what it does allow me to do is do my PGCE if I want to do that it does allow it does open a lot of doors in terms of if I want to do a Masters now I can do that more in a specialist area and what I mean it's doing it has opened a lot of doors potentially for me.
0: Now going back to, to County as you say so What's your day like now then as in the role that you're involved in compared to when you were a player there? Busy.
1: (laughs) we are all busy (laughs) now. So at the moment, I am Head of Football and Education at Stockport. So that is, I'm in charge of our college programme. So college programme consists of 160 lads um, from 16 to 19 that are doing a BTEC. But alongside that, we do a full-time football programme. So we, we try to, run that as close to what it would be like if you were a professional in terms of we try to give them everything from sports science to analysis and give them all the coaching that they can get to be the best players they can that does range from levels of ability we have sort of low, medium, high level ability players which I love because you you sort of trying to give everyone every possibility and it might, we're not just trying to get lads for our first team, it might just be lads that go and play with the mates on a Sunday that have improved to be the best player with their mates, and that's sort of the the goal with it, while getting a real, real good education.
0: That's brilliant. I I like what you said then about like about having lads who you know are mixed ability and trying your best to get mixed abilities because that's very much what we do in our sessions yeah. that we have. You know, we, we the big thing when we set it all up was about being open for all because we believe that you know football should be yeah. enjoyable for everybody. Yeah. So how important do you think that incentives like ours are for helping people continue to play the game for when they finish playing, for example, or when they finish playing like Sunday League or just wanting to carry on playing, but also for maybe getting into football for like the very first time?
1: I think it's huge. I always use it as an example. It's not just been a job for me. It's sort of created who I am and what I believe in football. It's sort of mm. give me all my principles. Obviously, you have your family principles that are in from a younger age, but... It's sort of, I don't think I'm ever late. I'm always ridiculously early because Mm. if I was ever late in football, I'd get a massive fine. I always have the right uniform on because, again, if you didn't have the right kit on, I think you'd get a massive fine. Little things like that, it's sort of been implemented in because of the football world. Um, Mm. and again I sort of try to drip feed that probably not as as strict as what we had it but to these younger lads and it's not just the football side we try to work on it is sort of everything else
0: and you know our our thing that we've got it's obviously quite open in terms of having like a network to bounce off yeah in in terms of you know getting support if ever it's needed whether that be with you know mental health or or even physical health yeah you know one thing that is viewed again from the outside looking in is that the professional game is quite masculine and it's only recently that we've started to see pro players open up a little bit more. Yeah. So do you think that enough's been done by the PFA to support these pro players, to support these younger players that you're working with now? Or do you think that more can still be done?
1: I think it is growing, like you said. I can sort of only deal from my experience and everything I've ever asked for from the PFA as a professional point of view that they've done. We have um, player liaison officers now in terms of the academy. And you have that from under nines all the way up to under 18s. Then you go in in the first team environment, there's a player care officer there. Sorry, not liaison, player care officer. So you've Mm -hmm. always got somebody to talk to. And even in our college programme, we have a player care for terms of any problems lads have, they've got someone they can go to. That's a that's a reference point because, like you said, they might not want to talk to the coaches because of that masculine front. And I think it's hmm. the walls are slowly being knocked down without four people to open up.
0: And has that changed massively from when oh, you massive. were playing at that age? Massive.
1: Yeah. In terms of even when I retired, we didn't have any of that. It's been over the last four or five years that I think it's really gone like that. Like that. Yeah. And then maybe because that's the way the world is at the minute in terms of everybody's struggling aren't they everything i think through. so everything I think so yeah through over the last couple of years and everyone's obviously feeling a pinch at the minute and it's it's probably the time where everyone's needing to rely on everybody else because we're all going through this this sort of together.
0: What would you now, now that you have finished playing, now that you're in the like the coaching side of it, yeah. if you like? What's the dream now? What's what is it to become a manager? No, ultimately, or, no, no. it's
1: not. I it did. <laughs> I like being
0: restricted now. Like, no, nope.
1: <laughs> it doesn't interest me. Um, if I'm honest, I've not really thought about it. I have sort of fell into this job um, through obviously playing with with. Stockport and stuff I was doing away from here. So I used to volunteer at school and that's how I got this job because the old teacher then become head of academy at Stockport who brought me in. So I've sort of fell into this job and then I've come in as a coach. Then i become head of football. Now I'm sort of head of football and education, which is a really, really good job. And it's I want to make this programme grow as best as I can and make it the best it is in terms of football college programmes that I can change a lot of young lads' lives. Um, Wiffenshaw, for example, when I first joined the course, out of 80 lads, there was one lad from Wiffenshaw. I think we've got 20 now, just short of 20. So straight away for me, that's been a big tick um, in terms yeah. of getting lads around here to, to sort of know the programme and what, yeah. what it's offered.
0: I suppose it's a nice way with that as well, of you giving something back to the community that's given you so much yeah, exactly. as well. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's, that's sort of, it was my goal straight away that, yeah, I I'd, I'd got to there and I was like, "What? so you get to educate with no tests and you get to play football every day. And I thought every school in Widdenshaw would be all over this. And it's like, yeah. you just didn't know about it. So that's been my sort of goal. I've been going into schools around here and sort of letting lads know that this is available for them because it's, like I said, it's it's something I'd rather do than sitting in a classroom every day.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I think, uh, I think as I said there, I think a lot, of, uh, a lot of young lads around here would be, that's something that, 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 you know, they would really want to jump at, yeah. really. Last couple of couple of things, and I'll, I'll let you get going. Obviously, you're working with these young lads now who are a similar age of when you yeah. came to counter. If you could, you know, get in a time machine, go back in time, chat to your younger self, is there anything that you would advise to do differently? Anything that you want to do differently? Or do you think everything's sort of been the making of you?
1: Yeah, sort of. Everyone always asked me, because they had a couple, and I said when I was younger, and it was you could have got a move to here, there and Liverpool and stuff, West Brom. And it was like, uh, yeah, it would have, but then I wouldn't have met the people I've met now. And it's, it's sort of, like I said, I'm very much of play the cards you dealt. Um, mm. And I wouldn't change where I am in life now for, for all the money in the world. you know what I mean? I've got mm. a beautiful wife, two beautiful kids, a great family and friends around me. So you, I, I wouldn't change it for just for that sake alone.
0: Last but not least, so... Um... Obviously, I know that you're very busy with, with what you're doing now, yeah. but do you think we will ever be blessed by your presence at one of our sessions? I, would, I said to
1: Joe, <laughs> I have been promising him I will come down. So when it, when it does ease off, it might have to be a summer job, but I will come down and put a session on for you boys. And I'll, um, I'll bring our Karen as well. He can have a run out. He needs a good kick about him.
0: <laughs> We've got that on tape yeah, now. Yeah, so, can so you can bring it. it. <laughs> no, I I'll I'll
1: will have It'd be absolutely brilliant. I'd come down and I can put a session on, boys. That'd be great.
0: Oh, brilliant. Well, listen, Mike, it's been absolutely lovely chatting with you. Uh, th- as I said before, you know, thank you so much for doing this. Really do appreciate it. I appreciate how busy you are as well. Uh, but just thanks, you know, for giving us a little bit of an insight into like how how the pro side of things works. And and yeah, you know, maybe, you know, in, in a few years time, we can hopefully get you one again. If this is still going, hopefully, fingers crossed it is. Yeah. Uh, we can get you on again and, and you can give us a little bit of an update of how things are going in terms of coaching hopefully fingers crossed we'll see you at one of our sessions soon as well amazing
1: mate thank you for having me